0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of the Lashing Out podcast on the Esports Now Network. He's Kevin Quigley. I'm Jared Prugar. Kevin, James Franklin spoke with the media, and all, as always, he didn't disappoint. He didn't light the world on fire, but he said some words, and that's more than what we've gotten since the Rose Bowl.
1: Yeah, it was 30 minutes of uh, almost unrestricted access to the program, but I think as with any James Franklin press conference, there's not going to be much information given on the surface. Uh, there are a lot of recurring themes, and I think that's that's what I'm excited about.
0: Right, and that's the thing too. You know, we we look at it all the time as you know Franklin is this reserved guy, and and he very rarely lets people in. But when he does talk, it matters and you know, he talked, it's, it's weird because, you know, he can talk about the guy that's the guys that have committed and are cam- on campus and, and those sorts of things, but the ones that, you know, are allegedly transferring like a, um, like a Dante Cephas, it, it's one of those situations where you can't really talk about him yet because he's not there. And so him listening to him, trying to tiptoe around that is, is always interesting. But again, like we've said, he, and Franklin seems to agree with us, which is good. They um they're they're feeling really good about the recruiting class, how they finished it up, and you have to really feel good about Penn State going forward.
1: Yeah, and the recurring themes that I heard was obviously a lot of praise for Marcus hagans which is mm-hmm. expected. Um you did hear really high praise about Malik McLean, um, uh, which is promising, talking about, you know. There's all these guys coming in through the transfer portal, and they're li- really looking for those culture guys. But then, really unprompted, he just talks about Malik McClain's testing.
0: But, yeah, and same thing so, with Storm so, Duck.
1: Storm he, Duck did it did well as well. Yeah, but I think I he was he had even better better praise for Storm Duck, and that was the mentality. It was the business like mentality. He showed up. He said that's how he was in recruiting him, and that's how he was on day one. And I think that's going to be, like, the leadership on the back end of, you know, it's a guy that's been in college football for, what, three years now? He's going into his fourth year, I think. Is that Mm -hmm. right? So, because the the leadership was a big question early in the press conference. Like, they're going to be working to identify it and whatnot. But I think it's really strong praise that, you know, he uh, he did say Storm Duck, you know, tested well on the measurables and physical attributes. But I think it's really strong when the coach – when your coach is commenting on both your academic and your on the field mentality.
0: Right. And that's and exactly what James
1: Franklin is all about,
0: right? Like he always has been focused on the education. And and Penn State for the longest time, and, and I think they still are is is all about success with honor. It's the student before the athlete. And I think James Franklin helps embody that a lot. And Miles Sanders talked about that at Super Bowl Media Day, where, you know. he he said he cares about the student just as much as he does the athlete and that means something. So when that happens and you get that well-rounded both individual as a man and as an athlete, that's why you very rarely see anybody speak ill of James Franklin from within the program.
1: Yeah, and it just baffled me that he's talking about his 12th year with the program. Like I know he's been there a really long time, but Man, it does not feel like 12 years ago he was hired. Like, and it seems like a long time, but that's still an impressive turnaround. Cause I mean, it's really four or five years for you to start gaining traction. We're going to talk a little bit later about, you know, some of his early successes that he had at Penn State, but it's just, it's just crazy to me that it's just been that long. And the program's national perception just seems to be growing at this point in time. And I think it's a credit to the coach and the leadership that they've, that they've built.
0: Right. And that's the thing. You know, it's been so long since we watched a flight tracker to see where who was going to land at University Park Airport uh, and be the next coach in the Nittany Lions. And 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 Franklin has done an admirable job. Um, You know, you, you win a couple near your six games and you're competitive and you're in the Big Ten. And, and what I think is one of the hardest divisions in all of college football and, and good things are happening. But right now, I think Penn State stock is super high. You've got a you've got a really solid recruiting class, but not only that, but you bring back those freshmen that have that have made an impact: Tronnell Allen, Nick Singleton, Abdul Carter. But you also add some of those other guys, you know, that there were a little lesser of an impact, like Hayden Saunders and guys like that, um, as freshmen and now second year guys. And you couple that with with what they've got, and and it's a recipe for success as long as you know everybody can stay healthy.
1: Yeah, and. I think it's really critical to note the names that he mentions in the conference, in the press conferences. There's 120 or 100, 120 guys on the roster or within and around the program. If you get mentioned by name in the press conference, it says something. And somebody who got mentioned by name is denied it a sentence. So we've labeled him as the next breakout star for the defense and i think it's really promising you know he had a lot of high praise for the 2022 recruiting class saying you know it came in as good as as we expected maybe a little bit better the contributed the con- the contributions from that class were there but he really keyed on on dds so i think it's something to really look out for i mean they only have, it's only one day into the 8 day winter program but um i think it's really telling that well, on and- day 1 you're getting we we had three players mentioned, so that's not a quarterback. It was the two transfers, Storm Duck, Malik McLean, and then a returning guy and denied it in a set. So
0: And that's the other thing too, right? You know, the, the winter program isn't easy. The first day uh of the program was on Tuesday. But the biggest thing I think to take away from that is number one, all the young guys are like the players of the of the day or whatever, and I think that's great and admirable. But twelve of those guys and in, in this recruiting class are already on campus and taking part of these workouts. That means something. That helps them get on the field sooner and make an impact sooner, even into August. And I think that is largely important for the Nittany Lions. Um, and you talk about leadership. I think um, Deny Dennis Sutton is going to be one of those guys defensively. I think Storm Duck is going to be one of those guys defensively. But on the offensive side, you know, they got a lot of young talent. So. I wouldn't be surprised if Drew Aller and Nick Singleton and Katron Allen step up and be leaders offensively, even country Lambert Smith and and Brenton strange when they do that. And when they come together like that, you know, that's going to be a special experience. You look at some of the leaders over the past few years for the, for Penn state and it's been Sean Clifford and Jonathan Sutherland has been up there as well, but, but now they're not here. And that's both a blessing um, and it can be a curse when it comes to leadership, but but I think right where they're at now and the amount of respect that those guys carry through the program and, and Aller and Singleton and, and Allen uh, and, and Abdul Carter even and, and DDS, they're in very good hands. It's just going to be interesting to see who steps up and who is that vocal leader and who is that leader by example.
1: Yeah, and I think another person maybe that's going to be probably more an on-field leader because I don't think – I don't know much about him, but I don't think he's like, he's not risen to the top as being that vocal leader. I think Keaton Ellis, he's, I mean, he's going to be a fifth year senior. Uh, He's been with the program. I mean, you'd mentioned Jonathan Sutherland, Sean Clifford, both of the program for six years. Keaton Ellis is now that most experienced guy in the program. So uh, I don't know his locker room presence. I don't want to say anything, you know, I don't want to say anything negative, like, Oh, he can't be a leader in the locker room, but I definitely think he's going to be a leader on the field for him. So but that's what this that's what the 8 day winter workouts for it's that's what he said that's what James Franklin said he said if you're like if you get to august and september and you're looking for that leadership you're already too late he said we're trying to do it now you know maybe they have some captains or like a you know they've they've narrowed the list down to 10 12 guys of who's you know going to be the captains for this for the fall so when they by the time they get to spring ball and then obviously over the summer they're really going to figure out who those guys are going to be so
0: Right. And that's the thing, you know, you, you want those leaders to step up. This is when they're going to do it. You know, this is when it's tough, right? You're, you're just off the off season, what little of it there is. And now, you know, these early morning workouts, you know, it's going to be fun to to see the growth um, and the coming of age of this program and this team, uh, because I think it's going to be super important to see, you know, how the Nittany Lions Um, bounce back and and rebound and and go from there
1: i do love that uh james franklin was talking about the schedule and he said you know usually we try to save a couple days for after spring break uh in his words to get the sitting out of them uh but the way the schedule works out is they're gonna have to do get the sitting out the first couple days of spring ball with the way that uh, spring break fell and when the spring game is scheduled so There's a little bit of humor early in the press conference that uh, gave me a little chuckle as I was watching it.
0: Yeah. Franklin has a little, has a way about him that ends up being a lot funnier than you think. Um, And it's just one of those situations. Now, you know, you say what you want about game day. He's a very personable coach. He's a great face of the university. And when you put all that together, Penn state's got a really special guy in Franklin. And I know it's tough to embrace that, and I know it's tough to, you know, not be frustrated when things aren't going their way. And that's happened quite a bit recently. Um, so you know, I, I get the frustrations, but at the same time, who could do it better?
1: Right. Yeah, I I don't think there's not really a coach out there that I want. Like like I said earlier, he's been there twelve years, he knows the university in and out. Seems like Pat Kraft and and James Franklin are gonna get along really well. Um, and going back to that, just get the sin out of him after spring break. That's, that's just showing like, he's like, he probably tells him, you know, like, guys, just don't do anything stupid, but I understand it's spring break. Go have some fun. You know, you're not, you're probably not going to work out all seven days that you're off. You know what I mean? He's just very understanding to that. And I think, I think him and the players, they're developing that special bond that a lot of coaches develop, but there's just something about the way that James Franklin goes about it. That's just the guys, the guys are total buy-in. We can say everything we want about the game day. Obviously game day is the most important part, but like game days, game days is what gets put in the newspaper. That's what you see on the scoreboard. But if you got, if you don't have if you're not on the same wavelength with your players throughout the week and like, don't get total buy-in, you're not going to be able to win on Saturdays. So he has the buy-in and then obviously he's getting better on the field.
0: Game day is the most important part to the fans. But how he interacts with his players the other six days of the week, that's what matters to them. And I think that's what makes James Franklin who he is and what he is as a football coach. But I can tell you this. I think that he's grown a lot since 2016. And that's what we're going to talk about here in the next segment as we compare the 2016 team to the 2022 team and there are a lot of similarities so we'll talk about that here when we come back from this quick break on the live podcast and the sports now network
1: Welcome back
0: to the second segment of the lashing out podcast on the Indie sports now network. He's Kevin. I'm Jared. Kevin, let's take a, let's take a seat and we're going to go back to 2016. Last time Penn state was in the Rose bowl. They came out of the losing end of an incredible football game. They had Saquon Barkley. They had trace McSorley. They had Chris Godwin. They had a lot of talent. Penn State 2022 version, 23 version, isn't too far off. You've got Drew Aller. You've got Nick Singleton, k Allen. You've got Theo Johnson. And you've got Ke'Andre Lambert-Smith and Malik McNeil and, and a bunch of other guys that are, I think are going to be just as good, if not better. Now, don't get me wrong. To say somebody is going to be as good as Saquon Barkley is is very tough. And it's not fair to them. Um, but they are there are some people on this roster that are in that ballpark.
1: Yeah, and I think I think the key difference between that team, the 2016, 2016 team, and this team is yeah, Miles Sanders was on the roster that that year. Uh, but behind Saquon Barkley for leading rushers on that team, Tracy Sorley and Tommy Stevens. Like the 2023 team, the 2022 team had both Kate Rinell and Nick Singleton. So let's kind of focus on what's two seasons that have actually happened. You still, had, you had a two headed monster and coming into 2023, like they're going to have that back. They're going to have that back again. Like the 2016 team was one deep, the 2022 team and the current program heading into the next season is multiple deep. And the parallel is, is that Trace McSorley, that was his first full year starting in 2016. Um, as the same as Drew Aller, and you know, he had some experience in 2015, but he was given the reins in 2016.
0: Yeah, and I think that's you know, that's where we can start, right? Now,
1: Tracy McSorry didn't get a, a, as much
0: experience as Drew Aller did. Um, but I, the first game that I covered for Penn State was the tax layer Bowl that year, he nearly willed that team to come back. Now, Penn State was never in that situation but when Drew Aller played he played well uh he showed poise that Purdue game you know Sean Clifford exits clear er, and and Aller comes in and shows the type of poise that you would expect from a Clifford type player a guy that's been there for 5 6 18 years and but and then you have Saquon Barkley who was not Saquon Barkley yet right he was not the player that we know him to be um and it's just one of those you know one of those crazy things and then it just was that explosion you had the idea and you had a uh, you know that godwin could be that guy um but man they really you know hit the hit the ground running now don't get me wrong the 20 or this 2016 team you know they didn't get off to a great start they were two and two in the minnesota game their chance to fire franklin i don't think that's going to be the case this coming season. But man, you have to like where they're where they're looking um as the fall nears.
1: Yeah, and really that Minnesota game, that overtime touchdown, I mean that that launched Saquon Barkley. Like he was in the program the year before. He started running back twenty sixteen. But the next week after the Minnesota game, Barkley rushes for two hundred and two yards in a thirty eight to fourteen win against Maryland. Like that's when twenty sixteen's when Saquon Barkley became t- Saquon Barkley. Like that's when he became that. Because I mean, just remember, Pitt, Penn State was a second half team. They tried to rally late in the second half against Pitt. Trace Story throws the absolute duck on the last drive of the game that got picked off, and that kind of crushed it. And you know, that's that's how it was. Then they went to Michigan and got trounced like they did this year. Temple game was close. I think it, I think, uh, Temple was within seven late. Like that team just wasn't there. So I think the 2022, 2023 teams for Penn State is just, it's that next tier up. Like, yeah, this 2016 team won the Big Ten, something that Penn State hasn't done since. They went to the Rose Bowl, they lost, but I mean, that's an all time classic Rose Bowl. Um, yeah, it's just, that team had a lot of promise. That was a great season to be both a student and a fan. I, I mean, a road trip to Indianapolis to go to that Big Ten championship game. And the hype for that team really started with the Ohio State win. And I think this year's team has is going to have that much more hype. I mean, it already has that much hype after finishing the season last year where they did. So I just – it's so much – there's a lot of parallels there, and I think that's really the turning point for the program and the turning point for James Franklin's career. Because I remember the narrative before the victory over Ohio State, especially, you know, you get trounced by Michigan you lose a pit on the road, you lose to get trounced by Michigan on the road, you barely beat Minnesota overtime. The fire Franklin wagon was was gaining steam and then he squashed it with the Ohio State victory and then that season went there. So
0: And I, and I think the biggest thing about this team is this team in 2023 has the opportunity to go into Columbus and win and w- not win by one of the greatest plays in Penn State history. They have the ability to do it without it being a, a fluke play. And I don't necessarily want to call it a fluke play. I don't really know how to describe it any, any other way. But they have the opportunity to go in there and beat them outright without needing a blocked field goal. They have the talent. They show that this year there are just a couple things that didn't go their way at the end of the game, but right now Penn state stands as good a chance as any to go into Columbus and ruffle some feathers.
1: Yeah. And they have Michigan at home. And we've, I'm going to keep saying that all year until the Michigan game is having Michigan at home is the key to this season. The way the schedule is lined up because Penn state can play, play in Columbus and is usually pretty close it's usually a lot better game than when they travel to the big house. But yeah, this year is the year. I mean, really the next two years while they have, I'm going to guess Singleton, Allen, and Al are probably have a pretty high chance of only staying for three years. Like their, their draft prospects. If these next two years go the way that we think of the next two years are going to go, like they're probably only going to be three year guys. Um, so I think that's just where, and then, Can James Franklin back up the recruiting classes? Can you know what impact is Marcus Hagen's going to have, recruiting Virginia to really bring that to the next level, and how much is the recruiting staff going to be able to back up the last two years to keep this team rolling where it is?
0: And and they're doing it on the recruiting trail. They're doing it like so. Let's go back to, you know, that 2015 team. The year before, they had, um, quite possibly. One of the most boring Penn State rosters of all time. Now we have to remember that in 2015 and 16, Penn State was still mired in sanctions and, and still reeling from that. Um, but they had John Donovan and Bob Shoop uh, as the coordinators uh, in that two for that 2015 team. Then you know you look at the 2016 team and you get a Joe Moorhead, um, and it just ends up being one of those situations where everything kind of once once there got to be some momentum um Penn State really started to hit the ground running and you know that's where Saquon comes of age you know they make the they go to to Brent Pry, they go to Joe Moorhead uh and you just look at what they were able to provide and you look at the roster the roster got infinitely better um you know, just in, in that short amount of time. And that's, that's where things start to go well for the Nittany lions. And yeah, were there still some holes there? Yeah, absolutely. But now Penn state is fully recovered. They're back to everything that they need. There are no limitations and James Franklin is doing an admirable job of getting those top ranked recruits to stay in PA and he's recruiting the, the Northeast very well as well.
1: Yeah, it, I think obviously dominates the state. Keep pulling hard, New Jersey. Keep pulling hard in Maryland. There's some good talent in the D.C. area of all three. The you know the D.M.V. area, D.C., Virginia, Maryland. Um, and then Hagen's is really going to be an asset in the seven five seven because the seven five seven down by Virginia Beach. It's it's pretty far away from Penn State. Um, I mean, you're that's recruiting several states away. Like a lot of those recruits, I think are really going North Carolina, Clemson area, uh, just because it's so much of an easier drive. I mean, Virginia Beach is practically it's down on the North Carolina border, so it's pretty easy to cross over that way. I mean, Virginia Beach has got to be got to be close to ten hours from Penn State, so that's a hard that's a hard sell of. You know we are they are pulling guys from Michigan. They are pulling guys from Ohio. But I mean, even those those are six or eight out, like Detroit's what six hours from Penn State. So like that's not a long drive. Columbus is what four or five. So it's getting down into a a hotbed of talent that has typically been going south to the ACC into the SEC. like that's gonna be a that's gonna be key. The
0: beauty for that is that they play play at places like Michigan michigan state every other year ohio state every other year in maryland and rutgers and you have to kind of maximize that in the location of where these guys are at so that you know I, i remember reading a dean smith book i love dean smith i'm a big carolina basketball fan um do not hold me against that hold that against me this year they're absolutely awful but One of the things he talked about was scheduling games where kids were from so they could play in front of their family. That's why Pitt basketball always had success in the big East. They recruited all those Brooklyn kids and all the New York kids, and they got to play at Madison square garden every year. It's that simple. So you can promote that. and, And a lot of these players, parents come in for every game. And yeah, it's not an easy trip by any means. State college is not an easy place to get to. Is it getting better at that? Yes. University park airport is growing. And that is, very good for everybody involved. So you can maximize that. The athletic department seems to be fully behind James Franklin, which is huge. So it's it's just one of those situations. Now just keep building and keep growing and 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 stacking year on year of good quality recruiting classes. And yeah, COVID has kind of screwed a lot of things up. Um, so they finally recover from from scholarship issues um in in the balance of the roster now they have quality depth but they also you know have experiences experience in places but also inexperience in other places so now and and i think that's really what makes the 2016 team to and this team com- so comparable is that you've got that inexperience factor at, at quarterback but you've got that pseudo experience factor everywhere else and um and that's why i'm i'm excited to see them play and i and i i think they're going to have a significantly better year than what that team that end up winning the big 10 championship did but i do think that they have the opportunity to go back to indianapolis make some noise and find themselves in the playoffs if things happen the way they need to happen
1: yeah i think uh, worst case scenario they're definitely sniffing it all year to use a rich eisen phrase they're they're going to be on the fringes probably top four, six, seven all year long. Uh, It's just going to be a matter of can they keep, can they avoid the stinker? You know, can they avoid the, the bad road loss at Columbus? Can they avoid, you know, potentially losing to Iowa at home for the big 10, for the big 10 opener. So, or the big 10 home opener. So it's going to be interesting to see, but we've got what, six seven we've got seven months till the season a little bit under seven months before the season kicks off so here we are here we go
0: and here we go we're going to take a quick break and go right into the third and final segment of the lashing out podcast on the knitting sports now network gentlemen welcome back to the third and final segment of the lashing out podcast i'm jared he's kevin kevin we've talked 2016 and 2023 teams we've talked about james franklin speaking with the media what else have you got
1: i think we go back to what you said about the dean smith book you got to play where the kids are from you're recruiting florida well you really want to start I don't think you're going to compete with Georgia. So I think Georgia's pretty much off limits, but there's a lot of good talent in North Carolina, South Carolina. Let's get some ACC and SEC schedules going. Let's play NC state, UNC Clemson, South Carolina, four big colleges down there. One in the SEC, three in the ACC really start to get like a big 10 ACC challenge going. I think that'll help everybody if power five versus power five. Maybe we schedule a home and away against UF. I mean, UF is a hostile environment, Let's see how they do in a hostile environment in Beaver Stadium. The swamp's not a fun place to play. Like I think the schedules are wide open. The 2024 schedule we got West Virginia, Bowling Green, and Kent State scheduled, and in 2025 we have Nevada and Villanova. Those are the only games filled out on the schedule. Yeah, There's obviously plenty you of room.
0: 10, so you get USC and UCLA in there in in a couple of years, and scheduling is so tough because everybody wants to be set up for the playoff, right? Everybody wants to have as many wins as possible. Yeah. But, but also it's up to those power five teams to help those teams like Kent state and Bowling green and Villanova subsidize their athletic department by paying by, by those buy games. So, you know, why make that type of money? So like, and that's kind of, and that's the financial aspect of it. That's why Pitt and Penn state, are on a hiatus is because Penn state wanted to do two years, but Pitt didn't want, didn't want that because they know they can sell out Heinz field. Every time that Penn state comes to town, Penn state is going to sell out Beaver stadium for almost every game. So that's 90,000, 110,000 or 90 between 95 and 107,000 tickets. Right. So you bring in those games and then you, you know, the, that's where the money comes from and that, all the parking and stuff like that. So it's hard to get those power fives on there. But when you do a home and home, like you're doing against West Virginia, like you did against Auburn, that's huge. And it's an early season test. Now Penn state got boned by the big 10 schedule, opening up with Purdue last year. And that's tough. Um, you always want to start out and get that momentum going into conference play. So that makes it difficult but I would be all for it. I remember, and I think I have talked about this on this on uh, this podcast, is in, uh, When I was at class uh, classes at RMU, I had West Virginia. We one of the classes I took was um was about college athletics or, or or athletics administration and coming up with a college schedule. And I wanted Penn State to play West Virginia and Pitt every year. I think that I think it's it's it makes sense travel wise. It makes sense everything wise, right? Um, except that it really doesn't, because then it, it's not always a guaranteed win. Um, so you want those guaranteed wins, because if you start the season off one and one, two and one, one and two, one and three, that's a big hole to climb out of. So you schedule the teams like Villanova, and, you know, Temple did beat Penn State and Ohio beat Penn State years and years ago. So that is always something that you have to play in the back of your mind. When you when you schedule those games years in
1: advance, yeah, I I'm just looking at other schedules. And The ACC looks packed; like they already have their schedules out several years. But well, I that's just, the other
0: thing too, Kevin. You look at the size of the conferences, and that does not help you.
1: No, but I mean, like, Florida has Florida A and M, Campbell University, NC State's playing the Richmond Spiders, which you're from Richmond, it's a little it's a little FCS school. It's a little private school, but I mean I just, I would just love to see more partnerships up and down the East Coast. I mean, Penn State's such a big brand. It's got the largest alumni association in the world. Like, I just want to see them. James Franklin even talked about it. They had the open practice at the Rose Bowl and they had California kids showing up to practice and one of them came to Junior Day and I am not going to mention the name because I don't even know it, but James Franklin knows who it is. That kid knows who it is. And they flew him out for junior day. So there's advantages to it. And I think they just need, Mm -hmm. they need to take advantage of that because they're not getting the Chick-fil-A kickoff bowl. They're not getting this bowl, you know, the AT&T Jerry world kickoff bowl, whatever the heck it is. You know what I mean? They're not getting those marquee matchups because they're not scheduling Georgia week one, because who the heck wants to do that? I think nobody wants to
0: start the season off with a loss. Yeah. But you know, there is value to playing tougher opponents. So it'll be interesting to see how that continues to develop, especially with how the, the college football playoff expansion. So it'll be it'll be interesting to kind of to see how that goes, because I'm sure if it's up to the NCAA to handle anything, they'll butcher it like they do pretty much everything.
1: Yeah, and I think last last thing on the press conference, we're probably twenty minutes past at this point in time. Uh, James Franklin was asked about you know how is that going to change how's the early signing period going to change? And he's talked about how like the NCAA has butchered it. Like it's wasn't supposed to be for official visits and like going on the recruiting trail it was supposed to be for the guys who are like growing up since they're five, six, seven years old. Like I want to go play at Penn state. I'm just going to get this recruiting thing over with. Yeah. It's and the, the NCAA, ones that knew what they
0: wanted to do. that wanted to sign early and get it over with and then enroll early.
1: But now it's like the whole class is recruiting. They got what? One or two people for the normal signing period. Uh, We forgot to mention Chim Chimdi, I believe his name is offensive line. So, I mean, this 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 recruiting class is going to be stellar for that. But it's just, I'm not going to trust the NCAA to get it right.
0: No, I have no trust in the NCAA. What I do have trust in is that we'll be back again next week on the Lashing Out Podcast and the Sports Now Network for Kevin Quigley. This has been Jared Prugar. We thank you as always for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe, download, whatever you got to do to get us into more into more ears and more heads that's what we're all about tell your friends yes tell your friends spread the word spread it like wildfire we'll talk to you again next week